Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Editor's Note. I'm Yair Pinto, and together with me, as always, is TV7 Editor-in-Chief, Jonathan Hessen. How are you doing? Praise God, doing well. Well, it's good to be here. We're now in the middle of July. And of course, we have a lot to discuss. But I think before we you know, jump into all the stuff we want to explain to our viewers regarding the situation, the challenges in the Middle East, we can uh, invite God to, jo- God to join us in this program. So if you can join me in prayer and to our family back at home, please join me in prayer that God will lead us today. Father in heaven, thank you for being in control and giving us the information, truthful information and the ability really to discern what to share with all of our community back at home. We really want to do your work to be able to share the truth that everybody back at home can pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We know that everything is connected. So we really need to understand the big picture of the events that unfold in the Middle East that have direct or indirect implications on Israel, on Jerusalem, and on our personal lives. So please bless this program, bless uh, Jonathan, bless uh, our team here in Jerusalem. Hashem Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. Amen. Well, what are we talking about today, Jonathan? Well, um, several weeks ago, we had an editor's note production uh, in which we started to talk about the the greater Middle East, mm-hmm. the wider Middle East, uh, to try and understand which country is involved where, mm-hmm. and I think it's important for us to to uh, have the map in front of us. So mm-hmm. I encourage uh, our uh, TV Seven community, which uh, watches us regularly, to have a map. <laughs> Definitely have a map. Uh, if you cannot have a map uh, physically. Uh, get one uh, via uh, your phone or your computer mm-hmm. and look at the different countries, what is where, which country is located where, uh, of course, with relation also to Israel, with relation to your own country. Mm-hmm. Um, and for this upcoming broadcast year, uh, from August till uh, the, the July, next yeah. broadcast break, <laughs> Um, I, I also encourage uh, uh, all the people watching us at home uh, who are from different countries to engage with us, ask us questions. Um, uh, first of all, if you're watching on social media, um, uh, you know, just comment, comment yeah. say hello, um, blessings, and uh, from what country you're at. Uh, it it's also encourages us to see it's really nice to so see. many countries yeah. uh, involved, but also to allow us to understand um, your 
questions. Uh, what are your intrigues about the perspective of your country? So if you're watching suddenly from um, Germany or, or from uh, Australia or from South Africa or from um, Brazil or, or anywhere, or the United States, of course, um, ask us. To what degree is our country involved in X, Y, Z? Mm -hmm. um, you'd be surprised to find out that Australia is one of the most involved countries in the region. Mm -hmm. uh, New Zealand is very involved uh, in the Middle East. Uh, the uh, United States and Europe obviously goes without saying are very involved, but also Africa is involved, uh, sometimes positively, sometimes negatively. Mm -hmm. um, everything is interconnected. Each country has... Uh, its own fingerprint in specific endeavors that are taking place. And uh, when we look from a uh, holistic perspective, we need to understand that uh, truly, as we always say, uh, the interconnectivity uh, within this great power competition, strategic competition, ultimately also has implications for the region um, and Israel in particular, which... Mm -hmm directly translates into the peace of Jerusalem. So when we read Psalm 122 and we uh, read, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which uh, basically tr literally translates into ask for the peace of Jerusalem, what do we need to ask for and how can we proactively engage from our perspective by approaching our leaders, by encouraging our surroundings to pray mm -hmm. from our perspective that our nation will uh, ultimately be engaged in a manner to God's heart, which ultimately uh, is clearly indicated also in the Word of God. But we can become uh, the worksmen of God mm -hmm. in so many ways that sometimes we're not aware of. Yeah. And it is important for us to be proactive. Of course, um, not everybody has the gifts um, to to do so. We, we need to be aware of each person, mm -hmm. uh, each individual um, has different talents yes. and has different talents. Um, and we need to recognize what our talents are and utilize those as the body of Christ, the body of the Messiah to really engage in one way or another uh, to be of good fruit mm -hmm. for the kingdom. And sometimes that means more and sometimes that means less and both are okay. Um, but for us to know how to serve best, we are here to serve. And if we know how to serve best, um, we can bless so many people around the world. Uh, just in the last year, I've had the opportunity to speak uh, in small groups um, who communicated with us and asked can you please uh, answer certain questions, whether they were um, pastors, whether they were representatives, government representatives that asked specifically uh, to speak to small groups and, mm -hmm. and to engage in conversations. Sometimes they were even hostile environments um, that uh, did not necessarily, um, that are not necessarily so supportive of Israel. Let's really? Let's put it that way. Okay. But uh, nonetheless, they wanted to hear the perspectives. And uh, even though I'm, I'm here always to explain, um, I also, in 
enjoy good debates. Um, <laughs> and it, it is a blessing to be able to utilize our gifts mm-hmm. uh, for the kingdom, also by means of the various productions that we do. Obviously, uh, TV7 Israel News is news. It only indicates what happens in the news. Jerusalem Studio goes more in depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, when we look at all of the productions, we touch on so many regions, so many areas. Uh, later this month, we'll have powers in play with somebody who is a representative uh, of uh, the Chinese government. That's interesting. Uh, who will yes. join powers in play. We'll communicate with uh, our Israeli panelists, uh, mm-hmm. the various senior practitioners that partake in this specific program, which is such a blessing mm-hmm. um, to have this favor and, and to uh, allow us to utilize the tools at our disposal to bless our viewers at home. We are here to be an intermediary, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, between uh, reality within the holes of power throughout the world and also here in Jerusalem to everyone sitting right now at home watching as we're speaking here in Jerusalem. Yeah, definitely. And uh, of course, you encourage them to pray for the situation. As you said, all all this favor is really, I think, uh, a miracle from God. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, former national security advisors and former foreign ministries and de- deputy foreign ministers and more, much more even behind the scene that we can't really share because, I mean that they are affecting on a daily basis with us in order to get the accurate information to our viewers back at home. It's really, it's really amazing and encouraging. And, you know, some of them are in daily contact with us. They really became part of mm-hmm. the team here. And they know that they, we are believers, that we are, a, you know, a Christian channel that follow Jesus. And they're okay with it. So that's really amazing and an amazing blessing, I think. They're that, intrigued by it. Yeah, yeah, of course. I have. We have always have interesting conversation, and we still, yeah, we still do. Yeah. Other than that, um, we have right now the map behind us, uh, which is such a blessing. Of course, the team has worked so hard to create, and is still working hard mm-hmm. uh, to create more visualizing visual tools in order to clarify what we're speaking about. And if we really look here, the state of Israel, we start from the immediate circle, circle Mm -hmm. one, and that is obviously Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, and Egypt. Uh, We see that, of course, if we look from here, in a good day, we can actually see Saudi Arabia as well. And Mm -hmm. when we look at the whole picture, of course, Iraq, Iran, Turkey, and uh, Libya here, behind me, uh, so it's hard to see, but you see the the left part. Uh, Ultimately, we need to start to understand, okay, how does this impact Mm -hmm. the state of Israel? Now, when we're talking about the main challenge to the state of Israel, of course, we're talking about the Islamic Republic of Iran. Um, It's what you know, um, was initially defined by uh, former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, who is now vying once again to become the Prime Minister of Israel within the context of Israel's national parliamentary elections, yeah. uh, as Israel is a parliamentary democracy. Uh, he called it the tentacles of Iran, Iranian mm-hmm. proxies from Hezbollah in Lebanon, which ultimately also is entrenched in Syria alongside other um, 
Shiite militias, uh, be they Syrian, be they um, Afghan from yeah. Afghanistan, uh, from Pakistan, from other countries throughout the world uh, that have uh, allegiances to the supreme leader of the Islamic Republic, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, uh, who ultimately um, regards Israel as a uh, he defined it as a pest, as a disease that needs to be removed mm-hmm. uh, from the region. Uh, of course, we know that it's as much spiritual as it is physical. Yes. But when we're really looking at the whole picture here, we understand that uh, the size does not always matter when we're talking. <laughs> also not always uh, when it comes to the quantities of uh, the military capabilities yes, of the country. Um, yeah, it's always intrigues me that Israel is such a small country on the map and then it's always on the news and there's always these big deals about it compared to Saudi Arabia, Iran that are way bigger. Indeed. Well, uh, you know, Israel um, has the wisdom to understand uh, that it needs always to maintain a QME, a qualitative military mm-hmm. edge, over all of uh, whether they're adversaries or uh, partners in the region. It we know that, really that that changes in time. It's It can always change. Uh, Iran was one of Israel's closest friends under the Shah. Yeah. Uh, of course, unfortunately, when uh, the uh, revolution in 79 mm-hmm. occurred in Iran, um, it wasn't actually a revolution by the Islamic, radical Islamic uh, uh, groups that today make up the revolutionary uh, Guards regime. Um, it was pushed forward by uh, actually a democratic movement. They sought to reassert democracy in uh, Iran. They uh, urged the United States at the time that wasn't uh, a friend also of the Shah mm-hmm. to support them in the, the bid for democracy. And unfortunately, the West did not recognize it. They did not object to the fact that uh, Khomeini, the first supreme leader of the Islamic Republic, who uh, was in self-imposed exile in uh, France at the time, mm-hmm. was entering into Iran and ultimately... Uh, the rest is history. The, the situation, you know, history is a string of events that we need to learn from. Uh, we always, you know, some people say, oh, don't look back. It's uh, not good to look back. Well, you need to learn from everything. And to understand that history, impl- uh, the implications of history, especially in cultures uh, that are so attached to historic uh, events. It's really uh, something cultural in the Middle East. Um, You know, sometimes I I sit in in, uh, certain um, gatherings, uh, let's Mm -hmm. call it that way, uh, in which uh, it's exclusively Arabic or um, from Arabic cultures. And we're speaking about uh, historical events from uh, Sultan Bashar al-Atrash of 1926, uh, uh, from the uh, you know the uprising, the Arabic uprising of Jabal al-Arab and, and Jabal al-Druz in, in Syria against the French, and these are discussions taking place in layman terms about 
each family identifying its relation to such an, uh, mm-hmm. an uh, event in history and drawing uh, honor from their involvement. My family was involved, you know, yeah. that, that was uh, a point of pride that ultimately many of those um, tribes, communities are still very much, um, they find it very important to cling to that history. So if we don't understand that uh, about what occurred throughout history, how can we deal with those people in a manner that ultimately will bring about change? Also, this this history, the events in the past dictate the potential future events that these communities, these families will take. Mm. So by understanding the history of this family, you can understand which side will they al- align with or what actions they will take, what territory they believe is theirs. More importantly, what triggered their alliances, mm-hmm. what triggered their activities and therefore when uh, you know as a former strategic advisor myself we used to look at overt and covert information you know classified information or restricted information that allowed us to comprehend certain developments today and where did it emerge from and how did it come into being and how we could understand those small nuances mm-hmm. that ultimately brought about the current realities and therefore taking specific decisions or uh, that were again in correlation to things that occurred in the past with changes to the present could ultimately impact the future mm-hmm. within the context of the specific leader that you're serving as an advisor or as a policy writer or uh, whatever yes. your position is um, to align itself closest to that specific leader. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when you're looking at the picture, you need to understand that much of the decision making today ultimately is derived from the past. And therefore, history tends to repeat itself because you cannot make decisions based on speculation. You cannot make uh, your decisions on, you know, just from hot air. Mm-hmm. You need to bring a, a clear foundation to the reason why to undertake certain decisions and why to implement them in the manner in which you do and to bring good reasoning for them, not just one reason, multiple reasons that would ultimately... Um, you know, bring about a certain direction. And w- when you do it in such a manner, ultimately, it, uh, it more than once tends to repeat history in, in one way or yeah. another. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, going to back to the map, I think it's important to understand Israel is currently in a certain alliance. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a certain alliance. It's not... Uh, a, a real alliance by the definition of alliance, but more of a strategic partnership. With whom? First and foremost, mm-hmm. it is under the umbrella of the United States Central Command. Okay. okay? Central Command, CENTCOM, uh, is uh, the U.S. Uh, military presence in the Middle East 
and uh, parts of Central Asia and, of course, North Africa, specifically Egypt, mm -hmm. uh, for that matter, uh, which uh, has its headquarters in Florida from all okay. places. But it uh, is engaged from the Fifth Fleet in, in the Persian Gulf, uh, which is stationed in Qatar and in, uh, Bahrain, uh, the headquarters in Bahrain, of course. And then you have various commands of the Army, of the Marine Corps, and, and so on and so forth. Um, the United States has interests in the region. China has interests in the region. Russia has interests in the region. Uh, the number uh, one um, engagement of China in the region is Pakistan. After that, Iran. Mm -hmm. After that, it has also interests in Iraq, in you, Syria. You mean by interest, you mean like investments? Uh, it, or well, militarily? It extracts um, minerals, natural resources from this region in okay. order to accommodate its, its needs. Um, but so does the United States. Uh, and so does uh, Russia. Okay, Russia has a hotbed in in Tartus and Latakia, right over here in Syria. In oh. Syria, mm -hmm. and this allows it uh, to circumvent the Phosphorus Strait, which is under NATO control because Turkey has control of that. Okay, that's the small waterway that goes in Istanbul mm -hmm. in that waterway. Um, so for us to understand that the moment the Russians have a, a footing here in Latakia, the Air Force in Teltus, uh, the Navy, it allows it to operate in the areas vis-a-vis -vis Egypt, vis-a-vis -vis Libya. In Libya, it has significant interests and it al allows it to utilize this area in order also to project power towards yeah. Europe and also U.S. allies in the region, okay? The State of Israel is a major non-NATO ally of the United States, um, even though it's time and again defined as a partner yes, um, rather than a clear-fledged ally because Israel also wants to maintain its independence mm -hmm. from any alliance which would then dictate certain things that it doesn't really want yeah, to engage in. Economically and also security-wise, we have uh, mechanisms in place with Russia, so we don't want to cut these ties off because they serve our interests. Well, uh, you know, before, uh, so many times I hear, oh, but Israel is engaged in business with China. How can you do that? You have your best ally in the United States. Mm -hmm. Well, so does the United States. That's true. Yes. You know, so does Europe. Okay, so when when you look at the situation, you understand that there are strategic interests, strategic mm -hmm. infrastructure that Israel does not allow um, non uh, or non-aligned countries with mm -hmm. the United States from engaging in certain foreign investments. And then on the other hand, uh, when we're talking about business endeavors, if, if the United States is engaged with China, and so long as the United States is engaged in, in China, yes. so will its allies and partners. Definitely. So it, it can't uh, be uh, a sense of hypocrisy here. There are interests for each nation. Uh, Israel ultimately needs to safeguard its interests. But when we're looking at least uh, from... Uh, a very strategic uh, location. For instance, when we're took, uh, looking at the EEZ, okay, we're looking at the EEZ of the State of Israel, which goes 
pretty much from this area, uh, the exclusive economic zone mm -hmm. of uh, Israel's maritime boundaries, mm -hmm. economic boundaries. Uh, obviously, there's the Leviathan, the Tamal, the Kalish, mm -hmm. the, the various infrastructures there uh, of significant amounts of natural gas. Yes. Okay. Uh, offshore natural gas that ultimately some of it uh, goes also to the European Union today. Also, the companies exporting it uh, are American. So uh, some this of is interesting. And, and this is uh, my point here. We need to understand that when we're looking at those kind of mm -hmm. things, can Israel protect it by itself? Partly, okay. But when we're talking about, for instance, Russia, if Russia would now come and say, I want this waters, yes. can the United States come and help uh, Israel in protecting those waters? Not if it's not in its interests. Mm -hmm. So Israel, for instance, in this situation, sold it to a multinational conglomerate, which is... American, yes, to ensure that its offshore gas reservoirs are also a national security interest of the United States. Mm -hmm. So, if suddenly Russia, God forbid, uh, decides to act upon Israel's offshore waterways, and this is a hypothetical at this stage, of course, we have. Yeah, now we're with all the energy situation in Europe, you know, it becomes indeed, more an option. This would be. Uh, regarded as a direct attack on U.S. national security interests, mm -hmm. which then would trigger certain mechanisms within the U.S. Constitution, within U.S. law, that would bring the Sixth Fleet, the, the uh, mm -hmm. heavyweight of the United States, militarily speaking, which the United States is still the supreme superpower yes. worldwide militarily, um, to protect its assets, okay? Even though 51% is Israeli. <laughs> yes. So it, there are different actions sometimes taken uh, that are to ensure from a geostrategic level that uh, you are connected with the right uh, strategic interests mm -hmm. uh, to ensure, you know, if, if um, the gas and, and the corn and, and everything in Ukraine today would have been Forty nine percent American. Yes, situation would have been the different. Russians wouldn't have attacked Ukraine. They would have thought more than twice about whether or not this is in their interest, because ultimately they would have attacked directly U.S. interests, mm -hmm. national security interests, which would then trigger U.S. Uh, response far beyond what we see today. Yes. So everything needs to be taken into proportion. Of course, then uh, this was. Um, there was some anger in Israel about, oh, but why are we selling our gas uh, just like that to the American corporations mm -hmm. for so uh, tell, yes. so little and, and we don't benefit enough from it and this and that? Well, they're national security interests of the state of Israel. We are a small country that is heavily reliant on the United States as our main strategic ally. So when we look at the whole picture, we need to understand that those kind of alignments are made in order to secure the state of Israel. Nonetheless, the most important strategic backing that Israel needs is only God, and we rely on him, and we know that he's in control. Amen. Well, thanks, Jonathan. My pleasure. And thank you to everybody who supports us back at home. Keep sending your comments, prayers, 
And of course, if God calls you to support our work financially, go to a website at www.tv7israelnews.com and make a contribution. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Editor's Note. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.